Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Kavaza, and for today, we are getting into a conversation about a sector or an industry that many of us um, have encountered in one way or another. Uh, we all have the experience of calling, um, you know, a call center, you know, in one way or another. Um, depending on, um, you know, what terms you use, uh, people often talk about business process outsourcing or BPO, Uh, you know, that's what the name of the industry is. But for today, we're going to be chatting um, with, uh, you know, one of the the large local players to understand, um, you know, how they have, um, you know, been operating, um, you know, their particular business. Um, One of the things that we explored and we spoke about, I remember during the COVID years on this platform was the fact that uh, South Africa is a big destination when it comes to you know this particular industry around the world um, you know it seems a number of uh, businesses like to have uh, you know their call centers out of South Africa we're going to maybe understand why that is you know are the circumstances still the same and um, what strategies you know this particular company you know has been using you know to get ahead and um, I also hear that they've been uh, winning uh, some awards along the way so to help us to make sense of it all we are joined by group ceo over at uh, newton that is uh, john watling john greetings to you today good morning how are you no, alive, good, well, and thriving. Um, you know, on uh, you know, on this particular day, um, you know, when we're recording. Now, I've just gone into a little bit of detail around the BPO, around call centers. Um, maybe you could give us some insight into into Newton and uh, the type of business uh, that uh, you guys are engaged in. Sure, sure. So let me talk a little bit about the organization. So Newton's been around for over 20 years. We have about 8,000 people working across the world, the majority here in South Africa, in Durban and up in Johannesburg. And then we've got um, a delivery center in Fiji and large operations in in Australia. Um, Out of South Africa, we primarily service international clients. So organizations out of the UK or the US where we provide, and you know, you talk about call center work, it's it's really far more than that nowadays. So when people talk about omni-channel, so if you think about the way you engage with, as a customer, you might be looking through a chat, you might be looking through text messages or WhatsApp or email or by voice, and it's bringing all of those together to provide an omni-channel service to, to customers of international organizations. Okay, cool. Now, John, I think what we're going to do today, uh, we're going to get the 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 the, the big elephant, you know, uh, out of the way first, and then you know, I think we'll be we can it's smooth sailing from here, and uh, that's AI, right? A lot of people have predicted that AI was coming for the BPO sector, you know. In your view, twenty years experience, you know, such a big operation. Is that the case? Is AI here to steal the jobs or is AI here to aid in the work? 
That's a great question that everyone's asking it. So I'll give you my view. I've, I've spent my career mostly in the technology outsourcing and um, business services world. So working in the UK, US, and a lot of time here in South Africa. And if you look at what's happened over the years, there are always technology advancements. It might be the internet, it might be cloud computing, and technology is going to continue to advance. I believe that AI is a great advanced opportunity for, for South Africa. And the reason for that is one of the big appeals of South Africa is our ability as human beings to interact, to empathize, to understand culturally the organizations around the world. We'll see AI um, taking the roles which are repetitive roles or might be more junior roles. The, the people-to-people thing's not going away. In the same way everyone said paper would disappear when computers came around, the people-to-people thing is always going to be there. And so what we do at Newton is we augment the people with a lot of different types of technology. So that might be voice analytics, where we're able to help help our agents as they deal with a complex customer query. It may be artificial intelligence to help them on that journey, to give them, give them prompts, to provide QA and quality assurance. Um, it might be using large data models to understand and to target a different customer customer journey. So it's here to stay. Is it going to take all our jobs away? Absolutely not. Is it changing the world? Fundamentally, it's changing the world as many um, different technology trends have over the over the years. Okay, cool. Now I'm glad that uh, you know that's where we're starting because. Um, this has always been one of those um, industries that's always been interesting because um, over the decades, this is the to to your point earlier on about omnichannels, the fact that this is the industry that has supported a lot of technology businesses, you know, over the years. Uh, but yet, there's this thinking that disruptive technology will essentially, you know, disrupt, you know, the model as a whole. So I'm glad that that's where we are, are beginning the conversation. And also the the point about South Africa, the fact that, uh, you know, you have so much activity, you know, servicing international businesses um, and the like. The other country that you spoke about, I've also heard about the Philippines, um, you know, as well, you know, to say that that's where, um, you know, some of it goes. I think you said you guys have an, an office in Fiji, um, you know, right. as well. Um my my curiosity then you know when when you're thinking about um things right now is south africa still the place or one of you know those big centers when it comes to um you know this industry are you seeing any shifts you know in mm. how the dispersion is um where are people you know comfortable to get um you know this type of support from I would I would say that the shift is that South Africa is becoming increasingly pop- popular. So historically, a lot of um, delivery centers were situated in places like the Philippines, like India, South America, and as as the world evolved and the human impacts kind of become more and more important, places like South Africa have have grown significantly. So we're seeing growth of over 20%, hard to track exactly, but over 20% in the industry. And that's been happening for um, for a number of, of years. And it again comes down to the ability of South Africans to connect um, 
far better than other other geographies might be able to do. We've got a long way to go. The the, the addressable market is is absolutely um, huge, Matiwa. And so all we need is half a percent of the global market, and we'll create hundreds of thousands of of jobs of jobs here. You know, when you talk about that addressable market, uh, the thing that always strikes me is with all this servicing of international clients that's happening um, in the local BPO sector, right? Um, who's servicing the local businesses, right? Um, I guess, <laughs> I guess it's, a, I guess it's a gauge of um, when you when someone looks at BPO sector in SA. Um, the local component versus the international component. I would imagine that obviously the international component probably brings in way more money. Um, but I guess just to understand what that what that actually means. Yeah, a lot of a lot of um, organisations will will run these in house. They'll have in house um, facilities running running their their back office, and then there are some organisations in South Africa that do specialise in it. We've got quite a large team who support local clients in our collections part of our our business. Probably a couple of thousands of people. We see the big opportunity in the international space. We really believe truly believe that South Africa is differentiated and it's a place that we can create jobs, can make and make a far bigger impact with our capability than than um, we would if we were to focus on South Africa only. And when it comes to addressing the, um, you know, those markets, whether it's the local, uh, but, you know, in your case, you, uh, the big opportunity that you see is obviously on the international side. Um, what's been the strategy in terms of actually standing out, in terms of gaining the business, in terms of, um, you know, gaining clients? I, and, and I think in the current economy, uh, more importantly, is keeping, um, you know, the clients. It's one thing to sign a big contract, uh, but quite something else to be able to service it over a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. So this industry is all about relationships and about people. And we invest a lot in our people in creating a, a pl- great place to work. So we recently um, won an award for the top employer award in 2024 and actually we got it last year as well we do a lot of work and investment in local communities so as an international organization they love the fact that we are more than just job creators we are helping uplift communities particularly young youngsters in the communities um although a lot of our folks are on onshore we also have a large contingent onshore in the countries where where we operate, so where the client is, is based, to make sure that we truly understand what's going on in their industry, in their organization, so that it can be fed back here in, in South Africa. This this is all about relationships and, and our people's ability to, to service the clients. And then it's augmenting with the tech. So that tech is always going to, going to be there. You need to have the right people, you need to be an inspiring place for people to um, to be working, and you need to augment their what they do every day to make them better by using technology. I'm curious then to understand, uh, John, given what you've just said, you guys have, you know, in a lot of instances where people have offices that are in different parts of the world, Usually, there's a localization that's going on, you know, in one way or another. Yes, there's a bigger group that's at play, 
But, you know, in each operating country or operating market, there's a localization that's going on. You have a team on the ground that is servicing that particular market. They understand that particular context and they're servicing that particular market. In your case, you've got these different teams, you know, across your different offices in SA and other parts of the world. But these teams are servicing people outside of their own borders, right? So the the HR strategy, the human capital strategy, the you know, the the people strategy, you keep talking about the people, right? How do you get the people component right? Um, you know, in such a situation. Yeah. So so the way the way we structured is the vast majority of our people are based onshore here in South Africa and then in Fiji. And all the work we're servicing into clients is done out of South Africa. So the representatives we have in, in internationally are pr- primarily folks that interact with the clients. So it's not, it's not, we don't have hundreds of people in delivery centers in the US or the UK. We think South Africa is the place to be. What that means you can do is you can create that culture. You can create one culture across those teams um, here in South Africa. And then o- over time, internationally, it's a slightly different role that they, they, um, that they play, the onshore teams, and much, much smaller. And when it, comes to, when it comes to that, I think one of the things that I'm also trying to drive at is understanding, I guess, the cultural nuances. If you're servicing a it may be a tech client in the US or Europe. Um I'm I'm imagining that I'm imagining that a person who is maybe someone who's sitting in Florida somewhere, you know, they have a problem with their system and their core support. Right. Now the person in the person who answers the phone in, in, in Johannesburg, Durban or wherever they are and you know services that client is probably going to have to have you know, some level of emotional intelligence to understand that you're dealing with uh, you're dealing with a culture that's more. I think Americans are more they 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 communicate more straight, more upfront, and yes, and you know yeah, you yeah. know all of those uh, you know all of those nuances because I'm sure that's you know that uh, you have to you have to I guess plan for that, train for that. Um, yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so let me talk a little bit about the cycle we go through with our with our clients. We will have as as we ramp up with the organization, we have a lot of their employees come into South Africa to help train our staff. So that means that your their organization is infused into those people. We spend a lot of work going on, going through. So if we're doing work in the financial services industry, for for example, we spend a lot of the training time helping folks understand the financial services industry, the nuances, and where our client in that industry fits in. So that's the training piece that that happens. And that's an ongoing piece supported by the clients. If you then go into the centers and you would love you to pop, pop across to one of them, you walk in. And it feels like you are in that organization. So the brand, the feel, we bring those organizations into, into our unit. So they effectively become a part of that organization, although they're working for, for Newton. And there's a lot of work that continues to go on that because for clients, that's really important that they've got a team of people who understand who they are and who their customers are. I think the other piece is 
that I think is incredible. If you just stop and think about it, each one of those people is representing that brand. So when someone phones in and they are phoning in, they don't know where the where the call's coming in, they're trusting a South African to represent their brand. So that's really, really important that, that they understand those brands. So for instance, as an example, if you walk through our centers where we're supporting UK clients, we'll have TVs app that are going that are BBC showing what's happening in the in, in the UK at that at that time. So it really does immerse the people in the cultures that they're serving. Yeah, it's a, it's it's quite a fascinating one um, on that, uh, and I and I guess you're sort of living. I I, I can imagine, um, you know, the what's what's happening in one of the service agents' minds because you're living in South Africa, but you're essentially, um, you know, at least in the time that you're in the office, you are yeah, you yeah. you're you're in the UK. Um, you know, you sort of have to, you know, place yourself, um, you know, in the UK. And when it comes to something like that, how do the, how do the shifts work? You know, I'm, it's always been something I've been curious about. Do you do you align, you know, to let's say business hours in the US, Europe, or wherever you, yeah, yeah. So our centers run twenty four seven. So we have teams and shifts that work through based on what we what what we expect to come through the the volume that we expect to come through at different times of the of the day and this again could be um text chat it could be voice chat so so you'll see people coming in and out our building all day and no one knows what what time what time it is sometimes um the majority though are, are supporting uk up, up into the uk then we have a shift that comes in early to support our australian Australian clients, and then evening is um, obviously the US, the US client base. All right. I want to shift a little bit to the technology side. It's where we started off talking about the AI, but maybe understanding some of the other technologies that you have in place. Um, I think the what I know about the space is that because of your things like your AI, we now have a situation where you know, if I'm on a if I if I'm on a service call of some sort, um, there are systems that are that are that are recording the actual words that I'm saying. Uh, there are systems that are maybe even taking in the inflection of my voice. Um, you know, as uh, as I'm talking, maybe uh, trying to assess, you know, whether or not uh, what I'm saying is is credible or true. Um, you know, that type of thing. Maybe even, you know, as the call is going on, there's some type of analysis that's going on. Um, you know, about I don't know the mood of the person and all that stuff. What's going on in the background when it comes to the tech? No, you've just you've just summarized it. I think you've got it. You've got it down <laughs> down pat. <laughs> there are a couple of different technologies. So what you're talking about there is specifically um, what we call voice analytics. So what the voice analytics will be doing, and there's very specialist technologies that do this. It'll get the tone of the discussion. Um, it'll search out for for different words, um, and it'll it'll highlight. Um, interventions that are are required. It might say, "Here's a better way to handle handle that call in future." And the training will click in. So we have teams on the ground, and then we have what we call QA, quality assurance. Those folks are constantly looking at what are the interventions. Oh, okay, something's changed here. We need to make sure that our whole team understands what it is. So that 
that analytics of voice analytics is happening is happening the whole time and used a lot for 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 coaching and quality another one that we use a lot is what we call gamification so gamification is about getting um driving the competitiveness and the stimulation for individuals so that they they're constantly able to see where they are and how they're performing relative to their to their peers and that a lot of that is done on our on our own system so gamification is, a, is another big one and then yeah, analytics and data is a big is a big one for for us particularly here in South Africa where we're servicing our collections industry we have incredible databases that we look at the behavior of individuals and you can then work through what's the right time to call someone if you call someone what's the right conversation to have with them and that's been accumulated over years and years um but as as i say data is is helpful but unless you can translate it into insight and action it's it's not very not very helpful so it's pretty much analytics data um and then the the ai that we we spoke about earlier, and then gamification of course a couple of years ago there was a very interesting demo uh this was before we we got into the hype cycle around uh you know chat gpt generative ai and all that stuff it was um it was uh, Google's developer conference at the in the middle of the year, and they. I'm just trying to remember what they what, what the platform was called, what they called it at the at the time. But they were showing off um, their voice assistant at the time, you know, to say it could answer the phone, and it answered the phone, and it could speak, you know, using the normal intonation of a person, and you know, all of that stuff. And I remember at the time we were sort of in COVID. It must have been twenty, either twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one. And I remember it shocked a lot of people just by how natural yeah. sounding yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, where is your industry when it comes to perhaps using those types of uh, technologies, at least as a first level interaction when a person calls? the call centers and i ask because when i interact with my bank on the on the app it usually you first interact with the chatbot and then it decides yeah. you know which yeah. uh you know customer service agent or department can handle the more complex parts of what you want to do yeah so so those first interactions are it's called them very rules rules based so whether it's <clears throat> whether it is a is a is a voice system or it's it's your chat or your email and it'll point the query or the activity to the to the right area i think we will it'll be a long time before we're resolving issues that um really complicated issues that don't have a human being supporting it um it's happening increasing increasingly but these these things where you see and there are lots of them on the internet if you look around of of emulating where it might be selling a car how to have the conversation um yes they'll take over i truly believe that human beings are still going to be what's required to deal with complexity if it's rules based yeah you can you can industrialize it and and automate it if it's real complex human interaction which requires empathy or understanding uh, that that I believe is always going to be a human being the, the human being okay and in your own business where do you guys sit when it comes to those are the i guess the 
um, more, I guess, chatbots, chatbots that are using actual voice, but just normal chatbots. Do you guys have any of your own? Do you use them at all? Yes, no, we do. So we we cover a whole range of, um, let's call it, channels into supporting a customer. It might be a voice channel. It might be a chatbot, which is augmented by a human, a human being. It may be email, which is a response in email. Often it is working on the client's app, so directly onto the client and the client's um, app. So we, we do them, but mostly we do them with our clients where they use chatbots or where they've got. And again, um, we do it, it's, it's rules-based. It's the rules-based stuff. So, um, you and, and then, and the other one is, if you think about the others, think about it from a client side. So as a large organization, my ability to, to service the customer, to make sure that I hold that customer for a long time, to maximize what they, their relationship I have with them, you're not going to be able to do that with a computer. It requires proper human being and, and empathy. And if you look at, there's all sorts of analysis about what's the, what they call the, the lifetime value of a, of a customer. It's huge. So the requirement to interact in a, in a more nuanced way is, is always going to be there. Yes, using chatbots to augment, augment that. But it's got to be rules-based chatbots. Before I let you go, one of the things that, and I'm glad uh, I'm talking to you, is for a person that has, has isn't in this type of business, who's not an operator, you know, of uh, of a company like Newton, could you please make us understand um, the economics of uh, of a BPO type of business? Um, I have, I don't know. A, a woodworking business, yeah. Let's call it a woodworking business, and I mass manufacturing, you know, mm. these phone holders, um, you know, for my clients. There's like ten thousand of them, and all that stuff. And then I come, you know, to to Newton, and I'm like, I need you to run my customer support, and also any queries that might come in, especially when it comes to, you know, the assembly. You know, some people might not understand this thing, and uh, and we need we need uh, support on that end. I come and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna give you guys, I don't know, fifteen million rand. Here you go. Um, what what is my fifteen million rand doing? You know, yeah, in there, yeah. Okay, so there there are a couple of different commercial models that that one finds. Um. For me, what's important is that at the start, you and your customer are clear on what business problem you're trying to solve for. So it's very easy to say, well, here's the price for a individual in the seat. But that piece that's really important is understanding what are you trying to solve for utilizing your technology or workforce management that they do better? Are you trying to solve for overflow late at night? What, what, whatever it might be. And they're two big models. The one is they'll pay per individual. So pay per seat. Where we we see ourselves increasingly moving to because we're so differentiated around the technology and around understanding and solving those business problems is to a an outcome-based arrangement. So we will agree with our, our client, here's the outcomes that we will achieve. That'll cost you 10 bucks. And here's what you can you need to support us with, and here's what we will get for you. So 
these things are not uh, need to be um, nuanced based on what they're solving for. I think this is that that evolution for the South African industry is really important. I think the South African industry has grown up on a cost per seat, and the world is going to be more and more moving towards solve my problem. If you use technology, if you use a, p- a person, um, the system you use is not as important as what what the solution is. And people often say to me, well, what does outsourcing do? And for me, there's a very simple definition. My front office is my client's back office. I invest to be great at what I do, to to be great at providing back office services. My client invests to be great at what what they're doing. And where those two come together, you help solve for the end customer and your your clients. Um, and then when it comes to the models that you've just described for us, um, uh, because obviously part of, like any other um type of outsourcing that's that's happening in the world, a person is making uh, some type of an OPEX versus CAPEX type of decision to say, do I invest in my own, you know, capability or do I you know, literally outsource to someone else and just allow me, like you said, to focus on my uh, on my core business. Um, the curiosity then uh, around all of that is where we are now. We've been hearing about uh, a business downturn around the world, global economic business downturn, um, customer support, back office services. Where does that fall? in the in the equation for a business and the question i'm asking is usually in terms of crises we see companies tightening up on let's say uh marketing budgets for example those are usually some of the first to get cut uh i would imagine that customer support is core but maybe you can you know uh educate us differently no you you hit it you hit it right is customers is where clients will will continue to to focus. So I think that if you go back to my point about the lifetime value of a customer, that becomes even more critical in a time of of economic challenges. Um, So that's the one point. So far as how it relates directly to South Africa, if you go back to what's the South African value proposition, I don't think that that has been... um, infused enough across the globe so there's such a big addressable market i think we will continue to see that growth as organizations start to understand what is the south african value proposition so i don't see the global economic um pressure having a material impact on on the growth that we will continue to to see in the industry and i guess going forward do you see what's the word i'm looking for because you obviously see opportunity and you obviously see growth, um, I guess where we can end off today's discussion is to say, where do you see that growth coming from You know, for Newton? Does it continue coming from the markets that you've just spoken about just now where you're servicing clients, let's say, in the US, in maybe the UK and Australia? Or are you looking to maybe even broaden yourselves out um, even further than that? Yeah, so so we believe that those need to be our focus markets, the UK, the US, and Australia, for all the reasons that we spoke about, being able to connect and the, and the empathy. And that's where our job creation is going to come from. So it's very easy to get diverted 
Um, but if you look at the tens of thousands of jobs that are being created in the industry, um, getting diverted into other parts of the world, we don't believe is the right thing to do. So we very much focused on those on those um, markets. And with that comes all the youth, the youth employment and um, and that what we, we which is so important to to us. All right. So that's where we conclude today's discussion. It has been a really great one. Just, uh, you know, talking about back office services, uh, business uh, process outsourcing, talking about call centers, uh, talking about uh, the type of support uh, that business, that modern businesses need to actually succeed. Uh, the fact that South African, um, that the South African industry, um, you know, is still looked upon, you know, and uh, John actually says uh, that one of the biggest shifts is that uh, South Africa is growing as uh, as a market from which um, international businesses are getting their support from, and he actually sees even more growth uh, for the local sector, specifically for Newton, uh, focusing on the US, on the UK, and uh, Australia. And he says these will be the core markets that uh, they will continue to focus on, and he sees um, even more opportunities to support even more clients. And he says uh, that's going to be great uh, for. Uh, job creation, you know, as far as he can see. We also got into the weeds a little bit about uh, technology, uh, which which is always great, you know, talking about artificial intelligence, uh, voice analytics, um, you know, some of uh, chatbots, uh, generative AI, some of the ways in which um, the the industry um, has been uh, has been evolving over time, and uh, the way that technology is being used to support all of this development, and it's also you know very interesting to hear the ways in which um, you can train, I guess, local people to actually um, attune themselves uh, to what's going on in a different um, you know a different market, so that you can effectively uh, support a business in another part of the world. So that's been it. We were in a discussion uh, with uh, John Watling, um, who is uh, the group CEO over at Newton. John, thank you so much for being with us today. Dearest pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Great chatting. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from myself and the rest of the team it is a good evening good afternoon and good morning